Are you ready for the Word of God? If you have your Bibles, you'll go with me to the book of Judges, chapter 3. I'll be out of the King James this morning. Uh, when I went to church at the brook, the previous pastor who was retiring, been there over 20 years, told me, he says, you're going to have to get out of that King James and get over into something else. And I uh, told my wife, I said, well, he even went and bought me a Bible. Bought me a Bible of a different version, says, you use. I thought, boy, when you retire from here, I'm not doing any of this stuff you want me to do. I hope that I can preach it in such a way you'll understand it, no matter what version I read out of. But this morning, for just a little while here, let me check my time, make sure I don't run past my time. They'll let me know. They'll give me the old hook and pull me off the stage. This morning, I want to preach just for a little while, God's vessel for this generation. God's vessel for this generation. So if you will, if you don't mind, stand one more time for the reading of God's Word. Just a couple of verses. Judges chapter 3. And I'm going to read verse number 9. Maybe verse number 10 with it. And I'll back up and preach what's in front of it. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer unto the children of Israel who delivered them even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed against Cushan Rishathaim. Father, we give you thanks and glory and praise for your divine presence that we feel and know is in this place. Thank you for this great church and these great people that have your heart, your, your vision, your, your spirit, your mind. And Father, I just pray right now that you for the next little while would cause Jesus Christ to be known and heard and seen out of this pulpit. Father, I pray that the Word of God would prevail and be magnified this morning in this room. And I pray, Lord Jesus, if there be one here who has allowed the culture or the things around them to cause them to be timid and fearful, raise up a vessel today. And I don't just pray it, Lord, for an individual. I pray it for this church as a body this church as an instrument of the kingdom of God in this generation and in this location. Raise it up, Lord, as a vessel of, of heaven in this hour. Lord, help us today. Anoint us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you're going to help me preach, say amen and be seated. Amen. God's vessel for this generation. God's vessel for this generation. With the passing of time, every generation sees change. Every generation sees it. I, I think back to my granddad who's been, been with the Lord now uh, about 10 years uh, or so. He was a World War II veteran. He fought at the Battle of the Bulge and I remember one day sitting with him and him describing how cold it was there so cold that ice was shooting up, spewing up out of the ground. He was no more than maybe 19 or 20 years of age 
when he and his twin brother fought in that war. His twin brother had accrued enough time while there and enough points, however that works, that they told him, Lane, you can go on home and, 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 and have some rest and, and you, you've done your duty. But his twin brother, which was my granddad named Lee, didn't have enough time and Lane said, as long as Lee's over here, I'm not going anywhere. That generation was just different, just different. Something about them. Well, that was a wonderful generation. And then I think about the, my uncle who was drafted to the jungles of Vietnam and fought there and, and was dealt with the effects of that war long after he left there. I, I think about being 17 years of age in 1992 and watching on CNN the, the, the military campaign that's taken place over in the Gulf where we're running out that Babylonian madman named Hussein. And we, I, I remember watching that and I, I look back and I just see how each culture was so different and each generation was so different. And now we come to 2019 where that if you wear the wrong shirt they go to pieces if you use the wrong gender pronoun they're offended don't get you get quiet on me I get nervous and I ramble longer we're in a generation where everybody seems to live with offense, offense. We're easily upset, we're easily angered, we're easily broken to pieces. And the bad thing that I've noticed about it, it has crept into God's church. Preacher, don't preach against what I'm doing. Some time ago I went to one of the young ladies that works in the children's uh, wing of our church and I said, sis, where's your family? I've not seen your family in some time. And I could tell she was hesitant to tell me this. She said, well, pastor, let me just tell you, they quit coming because my relative said, every time you preach, he gets under conviction and he cannot handle that. Now, pastor, you need to understand something about him. He's gone back and started picking up some of the things the Lord brought him out of. And when you go to that pool, and I'm not a soapbox preacher. I, my folks from Parkwood can attest to this. My family can attest to this. I'm not a soapbox preacher. I believe the Bible's too rich for me to get on soapboxes. But when you preach the Word, the Holy Ghost comes along with that Word and brings holy conviction to that heart. Don't take conviction as a negative thing, neighbor. Take it as a good thing that God loves me enough to correct me and to deal with me and to woo my heart back to Him. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. We live in such a weak time. It's in this environment that I believe God says, I'm looking for a vessel. In this hour of complaining and crying and moaning and groaning that we hear taking place. And I don't know how it works around here, but at church at the brook, my main complaints is the building's too cold or the music's too loud. Let me tell you something about folks like that. God will never use them as a vessel in this generation. 
but the ones God will use are those that say, I don't care if we're having church in a brush arbor and got an old six-string guitar and five strings on it and all, all five of them out of tune. Just put me in a place where the word is being preached and the Spirit of the Lord is doing the work. Put me in a place where God is real and sinners are being saved. We need a, a vessel in this generation to come along and tell the world that our God is still able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or even imagine according to the power that works within us. We need to raise up a generation and a vessel in this hour that understands that if God be for me, if God be for me, who can be against me? We need a vessel in this generation though, the, though hell rages that we understand not by power, not by by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God raise up a vessel. God raise up a vessel. And I don't know about you, but I say, Lord, here am I as Isaiah. I'll be your vessel. If I don't hurry up, I'll be here for an hour and a half. I want, I want to, first of all, please, the first two points of this message may be rough. But I promise you I'm not mad. I'm just burdened. I pastor church. I pastor church, Brother Irwin. Dear God, have my pastor church. I'm not mad. I'm just concerned. I pastor church. Help me, Holy Ghost, not get in trouble here. I pastor church. That for some of my families, the ball field on Sunday is just as important or more important than the house of the Lord. And then during the week, their children start having problems. And they ring my phone and say, Preacher, will you sit down with my daughter and talk to her? The devil's really giving her a hard time. My God, if you wouldn't take her away from that altar when God's fires are burning and put them out there in that world, the devil wouldn't have an inroad. My God, God help us to understand we're playing, we're playing, playing a, a, a dangerous game in this generation. God is looking for somebody that's gonna be committed to him, that loves him, that says, Lord, though none go with me, I'm gonna follow you. Help me, Holy Ghost. I want to first of all show you a people of spiritual surrender. A people of spiritual surrender. The context of the, of the verses that I read to you is simple. Joshua, that great leader of God that led the people into the land of promise, is gone. Now a new generation is there. And God had given them specific order when you get to that land, you drive out everything that's not you there. Well, when they get there, human nature is lazy. Human nature is easily satisfied. Human nature will settle for less. Somebody help me preach. And so they get there and they get their vineyards and they, the wells and all that that they didn't plant nor dig, houses that they didn't build, they inherit all of that. They say, this is good enough. And they fail to fully push out the enemy. This is a lack of faith and a lack of faithfulness. So what does God do 
in this environment. Well, if you'll back up in verses 1 and 2 of, the, of, the, of chapter 3, and you can follow along in the, in the Scriptures if you have your Bible or have your phone on. But the Bible says that the Lord said, I'm going to use this to teach them war. He said there's a generation that's come out, they've never really had the fight. And so they're living in a world where they're going to have to learn to fight at one point or another. Mamas and daddies, let me just tell you, it's okay to toughen your kids up. Gentlemen, it's all right to teach that boy to be a boy. Because we live in a world where all of that is up for contention. And God says, I'm going to take their failure and I'm going to teach them through their failure. I love that. Because it shows me that God in His grace says, even though they have failed, I'm not going to throw them away. I'm not going to discard them. I'm going to take their mistakes. I'm going to take their weaknesses. And I'm going to teach them some things through their failures. I am living proof of that, ladies and gentlemen, standing right here in this pulpit, that God will take a man when he messes up and pick him back up and say, now let's learn from this. Let's learn from this. We have a good, patient, loving Father that will take our mistakes and teach us from our failures. By the word of the Lord, I say to some heart, you're, you're in the midst of failure, but the God of heaven is speaking to you today saying, I'll take this failure and I'm gonna train you. I'm gonna make a better you out of this. When you come out on the other side, you're gonna be a stronger soldier for me, a stronger prayer warrior for me. Don't you lay down in your failures because God has a training field right in the midst of your failure. God said, I'm going to train them. But the problem with these folks, and I hope it's not the problem with us, some folks just won't train. (laughs) Amen, preacher. Some folks just won't train. I shared with a pastor friend of mine Friday night, I said, sometimes I wonder if I'm not pastoring some of the rich man's brothers. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? And the rich man told Father Abraham, send Lazarus back to tell my brothers not to come to this awful place called hell. And he said to him, he said, they won't believe the one rise from the dead. I think I'll pastor some of those folks. They don't train. And that's what happens with this generation. The word of God goes on and in, in verse number five of the chapter of chapter three, we find the first failure of this group or the second failure after they refused to run people out of their land was that they learned to dwell with what they should have put out. Oh, God help us here. We're in a generation where it seems like we're just learning to live with what God says we ought to be putting on the road. Help me, Holy Ghost. We're learning to live with things that God says. You don't have to live with that. I must be preaching good to somebody. You're getting quiet on me. Shoot a little lower, preacher. They're ducking on you. They said we will be be content to dwell with them. God said for us to run them out, but we'll just keep them around. They are compromisers. Well, when you compromise here, it goes further. You will go from compromising to mixing. 
You follow on, I believe it's in verse six, the Bible says that they began to give their daughters to their sons and take their daughters to them. Now they've fallen in love with what they ought to be running off. Help me, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost pushing me and I'm trying to hold the reins back just a little bit. But I am, I am amazed that we in the modern church we keep mixing with and marrying what God says for us to get rid of. We're dealing with issues of the flesh like never before. Friday, we received a phone call. I've got to go back tomorrow to that church and I've got to pastor a situation that is grotesque, that is awful. But the sad reality of it is that just a few months ago, we had to deal with it with a man that was pastoring one of our churches, the same sin, the same ungodliness, the same wickedness. What's happening? Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost said to me the other day. The problem is there's not been any Holy Ghost reign, not been any Holy Ghost revival, and what's been lurking in the woods is coming out into the broad daylight and isn't afraid anymore but I'm telling you I'm ready to gird my loins put my sword in my hand and say we will not marry what God says for us to run off is this okay for Sunday morning alright don't want to get in trouble they married what God said to put out we move on they go from compromisers to mixers and they go from mixers to servants. The Bible says that they serve their gods. And means, you, you see, it all starts. It's a domino effect, folks. You think you can start with a little bit of compromise and hold that there? But that ain't how it works. Once that tree goes to leaning, it's going to hit the ground. And so they go into this mixing, and from the mixing, they pick up their gods. They began to serve, the Bible says, serve their gods. That means they labor for a false god. It means they work for a false god. It means they become slaves to a false god. Oh, Holy Ghost, help me. We live in a generation of bondage and servanthood in God's church. What I deal with and hear on a, on a, sometimes it seems like a weekly basis of, of people being in bondage. Do we still believe, Pastor, what Jesus said is true, whom the Son makes free is free indeed? Do we still believe that? Then why don't we see that? Why don't we see that? It's because men have chosen to mix and to dwell with the world and now they become servants to that. Be careful what you give yourself to because what you give yourself to will master you. The final failure here is they became forgetters. They forgot the Lord, their God. The word forgot there is a verb. This is a an intentional thing. It means they put God out of their mind. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in such an environment. Driving to church this morning, 
passing by the homes in my, where my home is here in, in Calhoun County and seeing them sitting on their front porch, seeing them going to Walmart, seeing them in the grocery store, seeing them pulling the boat behind the, the truck. Boy, you, you, you rough on folks. I'm telling you, we've forgotten God. But all of a sudden, we come out of that amnesia when our kids are in trouble. And all of a sudden, we come out of that amnesia whenever the job's on the line. We can't pay for that boat anymore. We may get laid off down there at that plant. Oh, God, would you help me? I want to tell somebody, God's not your little paper boy. He's not your little servant boy. We are the clay. He is the potter. He is the shepherd, and we are the sheep of his pasture. Oh, God, wake us up that we don't forget who you are. They forgot God to put him out of their mind. This is where we are now. So we have a generation, they have spiritually surrendered to the enemy without the enemy firing a shot at them. This brings me to this. When we come to this place, things do not just stay idle. It goes from bad to worse because the darkness will follow. The Bible says in verse number 8 here that the Lord was angry with Israel. Now for all of you folks that have this mentality that God is love and that's all He is, you need to run a little bit deeper in Scripture because it is possible for the Lord to be angry. Matter of fact, the Bible says he's angry with the sinner every day. If you're lost this morning, God's mad at you because you forget him. You live like he's dead. Oh, y'all getting quiet on me again. Y'all make me nervous. God's angry. The, the, the Hebrew language there implies his face is red. Red-faced mad. And he does something here that we have a hard time understanding. He sold them into the hand of the king of Mesopotamia. God sold his people. Why did God sell his people? Because they were for sale. They made themselves for sale. And therefore God sold them. But let me go back to what I said just a moment ago. We serve a God of grace. And God sold them into the hand of an enemy, not because he said, I won't ever take them back. He said, if I sell them over there, they'll understand how good a God I am and how rotten a devil he is. Oh, my God. That's how much God loves you this morning. He'll let hardship come. He'll let the devil come and give you heartache and hurts so that you'll wake up and come to your senses and say, wasn't it better over there in my father's house? Wasn't there better food on his table? Wasn't there better clothes on my back? I believe I'll arise and go home. I'm going home. I'm going home. That's the God that we serve. He loves said too much to leave you out there. Thank you. 
Help me, Holy Ghost. So the Lord sold them. And here's what I want to really focus on just for a little bit. Is he sold them to a man by the name of Cushan, Rishathaim. How'd you like to sign his checks? <laughs> Cushan, Rishathaim. When you study, and I, I, I love studying words and names in Scripture because the Holy Ghost means to give us a message in these words and names. Cushan Rishathaim literally means double darkness and doubly wicked. Double darkness has come. Double darkness has come and rules over that. And the Bible says they serve the double darkness. I want you to see something over there in verses 6 and 7. I believe it is. The Bible says that they serve their gods. You watch, there's a chain reaction that takes place. You may start serving something, little thing out, out there, but eventually you'll be serving the double darkness. Amen. It doesn't stay idle. It only grows. They began to serve the double darkness. Double darkness. And I, I, I want to, let me check my time. It's 11.05. Do I have time to spend some time right here? We are living in double darkness. <laughs> Living in double darkness. A friend of mine, a detective friend of mine I had to talk with Friday about an issue, told me, he said, Brian, in Anniston, Alabama, they released a man on bond who had just cut up his girlfriend. Released him on bond. Part of me was conflicted over that. I thought, well, maybe they released him on bond hoping that some good old boy will save him some time. I don't know. That's wishful thinking on my part, I reckon. We're living in double darkness. We're living in a world, please, we, we love sinners. We want sinners to be saved. But we're living in a world where the spirit of homosexuality is rampant. And on its heels is the spirit of transgenderism. And on its heels is the spirit of the pedophile. It's coming, folks. Some places it's already here. We're living in double darkness. I preach every Sunday morning. Our, our services are, are broadcast on Facebook. And I get up to that pulpit and I make statements just like what I made. And I worry, I think, well, is Facebook going to kick me off? Because they love the darkness. Because their deeds are evil. We're living in a time of double darkness. There's one man I saw, a headline that said he's running from some, for some office and says and claims he's openly a pedophile. Yes. Anybody else see that besides me? I did. We're living in double darkness. Yes. We won't get into politics because it's rotten from one end to the other. Yes. 
And I'm going to just be as plain as I can. If you're hanging your hopes on one party or the other, you are going to be frustrated. You're going to be angry. But if you put your hopes in the Jesus party, he said, no man that comes to me will ever be unfulfilled. I'll satisfy you with the fountains of living water, with the bread of heaven, and with the grace of an almighty God. We live in double darkness. Our young people are being lost to crystal meth and other various drugs. Heroin is making such a comeback that there are little children in the back seats of the car while mama and daddy are in the front and they're overdosed and laid out there. We're living in double darkness, folks. And oh, the whole time, God help me right here, the whole time we're living in double darkness, there is the rise of a Laodicean church that says we are rich and increase with goods and we don't need a thing. We come to God and to his house. We start at a certain point and we end at a certain point and we have a religion of, a, of an assembly line, get us in and get us out. God's programmed out of the service. I'm telling you it's in this environment that we need to rise and shine for our light has come and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon us. It's dark. I said it's dark. And it's doubly wicked. The Bible says for eight long years they served this darkness. They served this darkness. For eight long years, they lived under the tyranny of this darkness. But I want you to listen to me. Just because it's dark doesn't mean God has gone out of business. The Holy Ghost spoke to my heart last night as I pondered these words. And he said, Brian Gilpin, you are not of the darkness, as he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but you are of the day. You are of the light. You are not of the darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how dark it gets out there. In here, the people of God will have a light in the dwelling because Jesus Christ said, I am the light of this world. It may be dark out there in Anniston, Alabama. It may be dark in Millbrook where we pastor, but I'm glad to report to you there's still light in God's holy and that light is greater than the darkness for the darkness cannot comprehend such a great light so we come it's dark it's doubly dark and eight years of this junk has gone on but God can God can God find a vessel in the dark <laughs> How far can I go? I'm a walker. Can God find a vessel in the dark? I'm glad to report to you He can, He will, and He does. It is in this context, I believe in verse number 9, where He said, and when the children of Israel 
cried unto the Lord. Now I love that word when there. Now I've told you it's been eight years of this nonsense. Eight years of living with the dark. Eight years of putting up with this mess. But the word when there is powerful to me. It lets me know that God's been waiting on them the whole time. And I want to just ask somebody here this morning, what is God waiting on you to cry to him over? What is God asking you to cry unto him? I preach a message to my people simply entitled, God said ask. All you got to do, ask anything in my name. It'll be done of my Father which is in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Some of you are sitting around with the darkness when God says all I'm doing is waiting on you to cry out to me. I I, I get so frustrated. I'm a pastor, Brother Irwin. Have I told you today I'm a pastor? (laughs) And they come, and the devil's giving me such a hard time. Join the club. I just don't know what to do. Have you cried to the Lord? Well, I've complained to him. No, 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 no. No, I ain't talking about you complaining. I'm talking about you crying. I'm talking about you getting on your face and God, enough of this is enough of this. I've lived with this as long as I'm going to live with it. I've took all I can stand and I can't stand anymore. I'm tired of hell being in my child's bedroom. I'm tired of hell being at that job. I'm tired of the enemy trying to bust up my home. I have had enough. I'm telling somebody in this house this morning, God is waiting on you to open your mouth and say, come Lord Jesus, come home with me. Come to that job. Fix my family. I'm that nothing's too hard for you. I gotta hurry. They cried, and I love this. The Lord raised up a deliverer. They cried, God answered. How hard's that? They prayed, the Lord heard them. How difficult is that? They cried, and the Lord, I love the language there, the Lord raised up. You know, that's resurrection language. The Lord, he raised up Jesus from the dead. This is resurrection language. Let me, let me, let me, before I get back, I'm, y'all hold that thought on resurrection language, okay? Well, let me tell you this. He raises up a man by the name of Othniel. I like Othniel. Because, now he's not from Alabama when I tell you this. He's Caleb's nephew, but he's also Caleb's son-in-law. They did that back in those days. Two times in the scriptures in Joshua chapter 15 and Judges chapter 1, we're told about Othniel. Caleb says, you you remember Caleb, 85 years old, tells Joshua, I have a promise of that mountain. And you give me that? And Joshua said, there's giants there. Don't care. I don't care. I'm as strong now as what I was when I was 40. Amen. I'm as strong now as what I was when I was 40. And I'll whoop anything that gets in front. Well, the reason he could be so bold, he had a young man with him named Othniel. 
Othniel had the same genetics, the same DNA. He was a fighter. He was one that had faith in his heart. And so Caleb said, Othniel, if you can go take this city for me, I'll give you my daughter. Now, she must have been a pretty good-looking cousin for him to marry. Othniel said, I'll do it. And he did it. Valiantly and powerfully, he routed that city and defeated that enemy. It's just Othniel. His name, you want to know what his name means? We met the double darkness. Othniel's name means the Lion of God. Oh, oh my God, I feel like running on that. He's the Lion of God. Another meaning for his name is the time of God. It's time for God to go to work. And he's going to use his lion. But here's the thing that bothers me a little bit about Othniel. He's this great champion, Pastor. He knows how to fight and win. But for eight years, the lion lay dormant. I want to tell you about how the darkness gets sometimes. It can be so thick that even God's lions lay down. Help me, Lord. It can get so heavy that even great heroes and champions fall under its influence and that dark depression gets on them. Help me, Lord. And they come to that pulpit to preach. I'm I'm, I'm preaching about Brian Gilpin, okay? And he looks at that congregation and he feels the darkness. And the devil says, just slimp through it, boy. Just do your best to get through it. They're not going to change. They're not going to change. They're not going to be any difference. You're just going to have to maintain what you got and hold on for dear life. That darkness comes. And if I listen to that, I find myself going into a dark place. Now I walk through that week with my shoulders rounded and my head down. And I wonder, is there not a garbage truck that I can ride the back of and make a living and not have to deal with all of this? But it's in those moments I have to look over in that corner and I see that sword sitting there my God that sword that no weapon that's ever been formed against it has ever prospered that sword that the scriptures say of themselves that this is sharper than any two edged sword it's sharper than anything the devil brings it's sharper than what the doctor just pronounced it's sharper than what the checkbook says it's sharper than any two edged sword I believe old Othniel finally got a belly full of it one day and said enough of this is enough I'm meant for more I am meant for more and I think I'll just preach the harvest you're you're meant for more. You're meant to be conquerors. Arise, lion of God, and roar in the name of Jesus. I can see him in my mind. I can see him as day after day. He's seen the troops of the darkness ride through his neighborhood. And he's listened to them laugh. And says, I'm coming after your children, Othniel. (laughs) He's heard their snickers. Look at these weak, pathetic people of God. 
He's watched. But one day, I can hear his wife. I'm trying to preach faster than I am. But I can hear his wife say, honey, if daddy was alive, he'd kick my hide and yours. We're not built for this. And I'm going to stop here and tell you. Some of the great men of God have done going on. But if they could come back, I think they would wring our necks. I think they would clobber us and box our ears and say, do you not know who you are? Do you not know his promises? Do you not know you're called by his name? Do you not know that the name of the Lord is upon this house? Do you not know that the name of the Lord's on your life? I can hear Othniel's wives say, Dad would kill us if he is still around. And I can just see old Othniel walking through his yard. says, Lord, I remember the day when those priests put their feet in that water and it rolled back. And I can remember the day when we marched around Jericho. And on that seventh time, we just worshiped. And those walls hit the ground. And Jericho didn't have a chance. And I can hear him say, but the enemy tells me we'll never see that again. That's right, Brother Cecil, we will. The enemy tells us we'll never see that kind of a manifestation of God again. We'll never see revival like that again. We'll never see what we've seen in this church again. Let me just stop and tell you, the devil's a liar. And the father of every one of them. And I can see on one morning in particular, the Bible tells me the ingredient that gets off nil going. Where the Lord said, and the spirit of the Lord moved on him. <laughs> you see, the, the cure for a dormant champion is the spirit of resurrection. That's the Holy Ghost, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I want somebody to understand something this morning. The Holy Ghost is here not to make you run the aisles or to talk in tongues. I thank God for all that that it comes with. But he is the spirit of resurrection that has come to us in this generation when it's doubly dark and says, get up, child of God. Get up, child of God. Get up, child of God. For if God be for you, who can be against you? Get up, child of God. There's more on your side than there are on theirs. Get up, child of God. I say, God, send the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter how dark it is, the Holy Ghost can break through. I said the Holy Ghost can break through. Uh, Brother Cannon and Brother Cecil and those Parkwood folks are here. Can I, can I bear something personal real quick? They can testify to this. 2009, Kinder and I left our first church and went to Parkwood, not being mean, but it was a building that hadn't been touched in years. Had an old church boss there that had enough money, he could have fixed everything there, but wouldn't come off of anything. He wanted to keep it preserved as a relic 
to the Gene Ross years and, and, and the, uh, the uh, what was Bill Dollar's years and all those great men of God. But I'm telling you something, them men's done been promoted. We got to keep moving. We get there, it stinks. Literally stinks. It smells like death. Nothing, nothing going on there. I get there and the first message God gives me to preach, can these bones live? <laughs> can these bones live? I don't know if you remember, Brother Canada, but I preach, can these bones live? The ingredient number one, the Word of God, prophesy out of these bones. Second ingredient, call for the wind to blow. And for you know it, those bones are not only living, they're standing up as a mighty army ready to go. And I want you to listen to me. For seven, almost seven years, we pastored that church, and those bones lived. I said, those bones lived. What are you saying? I'm telling you, I don't care how dark it is. The Holy Ghost is not afraid of the dark. You hear me? He's not afraid of the dark, and he'll break through. And whatever the darkness is, he will push it backward. I'm all close. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came on him. And finally that old lion stirred himself. Oh God today, let the Holy Ghost find some Othniel in this church and stir them up. Somebody that's just gotten adjusted to and comfortable with the darkness, may the Spirit of God stir you up. Amen to God right there. And the word of the Lord says that he judged Israel. What does that mean? The first thing you do, we got to set some things right if we're going to win. I'm, I'm going to back up and preach a little mean right here. Don't you expect to live in victory while you're still holding things you ought not hold. And Othniel judged Israel and said, the mess that we've been playing with, get rid of it. Because if we're going to win, we're going to have to win holy. We're going to have to live pure. We're going to have to win with righteousness in our heart. He judged Israel. And when he did, the Bible says, and the Lord delivered you remember it was the Lord that handed them over. Now the Lord says, I'm going to hand them over to you. You see, that's how it's supposed to be the whole time. And when you get things like they're supposed to be, the Lord will deliver that in your hand that's been fighting you. And the word of God says that Othniel prevailed. He prevailed, means he defeated them. He had a bold face against them. Eight years of tyranny came to, the, to an end when God found him a vessel that he could stir by the Holy Ghost. Eight years of darkness ran away whenever God found him a man. I want somebody to listen to me. God sent me here with this message burning in my heart for over a month for this house. This house must be an Othniel in this generation. Let God's spirit come. He'll deliver to you what needs to be delivered. And he will rise and shine in this house. And the darkness will flee from here. Stand all in this house. For 40 years, the darkness was gone. Because God found one man that the Holy Ghost could resurrect. And I'm asking you here this morning, Harvest Church of God, is there somebody here today that the Spirit of the Lord is trying to resurrect? Trying to resurrect.
trying to raise you up and put the darkness to flight around you. Father, I've done my best this morning to preach your word. And I, I pray that God's your spirit now would do a work in the hearts and the lives of Othniel here. God, there's some lines that have gone dormant. They've gone into some kind of a spiritual hibernation because the enemy's convinced them the darkness is too great. But the Holy Ghost says there's no darkness too great that I can't break it. This morning I'm asking you, Lord, to raise up Othniel. Whether it be this, this individual here or this ministry in this church, raise up Othniel. God, it doesn't matter what's on us. For behold, I've sent my word to you this day. I call to your heart, allow me to raise you up. For the darkness is never greater than my light. You are children of the light. You are not of the darkness. Arise and put on the armor of light. Shine. For I say unto you, your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. My hand is still upon you. My hand is still upon this house, says the Lord. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. My God, in Jesus' name. Very quickly, if you'll be an Othniel, I want you just to come stand in this altar with me. And I want to pray for you. Are there some Othniels in this place that says, I'll be one. I'll be one. I'll get my sword out of the corner. I'm going to be an Othniel. My family needs an Othniel. My church needs an Othniel. My community needs an Othniel. God, you found your person today. You found your man. You found your woman. You found your church. Lord, I'm going to be your Othniel. I'm going to be your Othniel. I'm going to be that difference maker. Amen. Amen. I'm going to just tell you, folks, now's not the time to be afraid. You hear me? It's not time to be afraid. Now it's time to be mean in the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's time to have a boldness about us and a spiritual courage that says we're not afraid of the darkness. We're not afraid of the darkness. They're still coming. Oh, what a beautiful sight. Oh, what a beautiful sight. God's found him some Othniels in this altar. God's found him some vessels for this generation that he's going to use. Some of you need to take the light home to your children. And some of you need to take the light to your job and to your families. God's going to raise up an Othniel today. Would you just lift your hands all in this altar? I'm going to pray for you as a body. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, you see your people and you see their hearts. You see, God, where they are. You see what they're up against, the double darkness that has crept in on them. Lord, you see how stubborn that darkness is. But this morning, I'm asking, Lord, send the Holy Ghost right now in this altar. Send the Spirit of truth, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. 
Spirit of resurrection be raised in this place. Raised in every heart. Raised in every spirit. Raised in every home. God, let the light come, my God. Let the light come upon every heart. Let the light come upon every soul. In the name of Jesus, raise up Othniel. Raise up the spirit of Othniel in the hearts of your people here this, this day. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, raise up Othniel so that in this generation the light will prevail. In this generation the church will rise and shine. In the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, one more thing I ask that you do, and I'm going to turn it back to your pastor. I want you to reach over to somebody close to you and pray for them that a spirit of resurrection would be alive. A spirit of resurrection. Lift your voice like a trumpet church. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid in this altar. God's in this place, and he's ready to help us. Father, in the name of Jesus, raise up the spirit of resurrection. Lord, let the spirit of resurrection shine and be brought forth in every heart, in every life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, raise Othniel today. My God, raise Othniel in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, raise. Let resurrection prevail. Let resurrection prevail right now, Lord, for this church for this body, for this people. Let resurrection, let resurrection prevail. In Jesus' name, 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 in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Could I get you to give the Lord a real big hand clap of praise for his glory? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Let us exalt the name of the Lord together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise him in the moment. Praise him in his holy place. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, Brian introduced a, a thought there that the devil, our adversary, would like to stop every effort that we make to preach the Word of God. Our adversary would like to stop this church cold in its tracks. Oh, he's issued our death warrant a lot of times. But thanks be to God, that resurrecting power that you preached about, God, resurrect, God raised him up. I thought of that scripture in Romans 8 and 11, for if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus be in you, that he that raised up Jesus shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Oh, there's a quickening that takes place. Amen. And that means there's a coming alive, some dead things that are in your, your life. God can resurrect those things, things you thought were never going to happen again, things you thought were dead and buried. God will resurrect those things. This is revival, and we're all about revival, aren't we?